Good morning. I just want to thank our worship team and Pastor Dan this morning. Hallelujah. And I want to thank the Holy Spirit too. Holy Spirit, I am just so thankful for you today and your presence here with us. Oh. You're so welcome in this place. You're the most welcome person in this room. You are the most welcome person in this room. We surrender all our plans, all of our purposes, all of our ideas, our timelines, everything to you. Hallelujah. You're the resident Lord over this church and we thank you for your great love. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your knowledge and understanding. We thank you for your comfort. We thank you for your strength. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your authority. We thank you for who you are. I just give you all the glory, Lord. In your name, amen. Man, that was some good worship this morning. Thank you, Lord. We've been in the season, about halfway through this season, that we've been in a prayer and fasting and worship, and I think we're feeling it a little bit. There's a difference when you come into Sunday morning worshiped up. You hear what I'm saying? I remember Lanny teaching years ago that if this is the only time that you're singing praise to the Lord and you're worshiping Him, you kind of have to break into worship when you get here. Sometimes you'll meet the presence here and, and you'll get pulled into it. But it's because the Lord's here ready for you and also there's an effect of those who, have, who are here who have been plowing the ground in the space and in their own hearts ready for worship. When a people come in and this is just the next song of worship and we get to be worshiping together, there's a different atmosphere in the house. So I just want to thank everybody who's been fasting, praying, worshiping, coming to our pursuit nights, pulling up the playlist and putting it on repeat because the Lord is doing a work in us as we're singing his praises together. Hallelujah. When I was three years old, my father said, my son and I need to grow closer together in our relationship. I was scared of my dad, as some three-year-olds are. And we had a distance in us in our, in our relationship, not by his choosing, but just because of my personality. I was a little bit more reticent and reluctant. And he realized he needed to get big in my world. My dad is a, he's a builder. He'd been a carpenter, he'd been a framer. At this time, he was still a foreman for another man, but he ended up owning his own company, building wonderful, beautiful houses. And though he never went to school to be an architect or an engineer, he studied all the time. 
And as he finished out his time with his company, it was a design-build company. He was drawing all the, all the drawings, all the CAD for his, uh, his projects that he was working on, building beautiful homes for people, building other people's dreams. And he was a phenomenal builder. He's no longer able to do that, but what resides in him is that ability to, to see that possibility, understand the lay of the land, see the, uh, the purpose of the structure, and build a beautiful space, and then actually go and make it. I mean, take something that's in the mind and create it in physical reality. So when I was three years old, he said, I need to get big in my son's world. And he started taking me to work, his work with him, the job site. At three days, I remember with him, I still remember this. These images that are emblazoned in my, my mind, memories from when I was three years old, sitting in the back of his pickup truck with our dog as he was doing his, his work. And uh, I remember we were parked out underneath the shade trees and hang out there with our dog. And I would watch the bulldozers come by and just sweep away the... Um, the trees, tearing down big trees, moving dirt around, and, and there was a structure that was being built, and he would be inside and hear the, the hammers going all, all day long, saws, and he'd come and check on me, and we'd have snacks together, we'd eat lunch together, and I'd be there all day with him for three days. But even before that, we'd get up in the morning, we'd eat breakfast together, and go off and I'd be part of what was going on there. It was my first memories of being on the job site with my dad. By the time I was about five or six years old, I was sweeping up sawdust in rooms that nobody else was in, so nothing would fall on me. I'd be sweeping up sawdust and finding bent nails. And, and one of our jobs as, as kids was to unbend the bent nails with a hammer and learn how to hammer by, bending, or by hammering those into uh, pieces of drop lumber. And I, I did that many, 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 many times. My brother and I would go there with our dad, and that was one of our first jobs, cleaning up the job site, coming in behind everybody else, sweeping up around them. By the time I was 11 to 13 years old, adolescent, pre-adolescent in there, I was doing a lot of work with my dad. I was catching things that were coming off the, off the table saw or out the back end of the planer. We were doing a lot of uh, finish work at that time, uh, trim work, cabinetry, all that type of thing. And I was learning how, how to use wood. I was learning how to, to work with him and, and be ready to receive what it was that he gave me and see how things start to go together and going from like raw lumber to just beautiful finished work and then installing it into the facility that is being constructed. You get sawdust in your eyes a lot of times. You get it up inside your nose and you know, you're breathing all that dust and you're getting the smells and you're doing all that. Your, your hands are getting splinters in them and cuts and all that. And that's just learning how to do the job. You learn a lot that way. Around the time I was 14 years old was when I first started being a laborer with him. And when you're a laborer, you're doing every odd job there is out there. Whether it's getting nails for people or go up there and nailing those straps or need you to crawl under the house and go pull that out over there. It doesn't matter what it is. That's your job. And you're learning how to support, and you're learning how to get around the site. You're, you're learning all of the ins and outs of the job. At 15 years old is the first time I can remember building a wall by myself. 
And it's the first time I can remember walking on top of a wall by myself. If anybody's been in construction and framing, you know, you get up on top of those those two by fours, which are not four inches wide, they're three and a half inches wide, and you could be eight to ten feet off the ground, and you're walking that, usually carrying something. Like a truss, and someone's 20 feet away from you carrying the other end of the truss. I was 15 years old, remember doing those things. Scared up there on top of the wall. Is this okay? Yeah, you'll be fine. Just keep going. (laughs) It was a wonderful way to learn. And it's a big confidence builder. By 19 years old, I was helping to lead crews. And I remember at 22 years old, I was ended up working for another company, framing for somebody else in a totally different state. And I had so many skills that I had learned from my dad. My dad, like I said, his, his company was a design-build company. He was a custom builder. A lot of what he did was remodels. Sometimes there are new start designs, but what you find is when you're a custom builder, everything you do has to be dialed in. There's a lot of stick framers out there that are, are putting together track homes and, and you know, built in beautiful places. But when you buy from a custom builder, somebody who's, who has helped design that, that building and they are, they are laser focused on quality and intent and integrity in their work, you have an incredibly fine product at the end of that. That's the hand I learned under. When you frame a wall, you take what's called the top plate and the bottom plate, you slap them together, usually you nail them together or something so that they're all lined up, and this is going to be the top and the bottom of the wall, the wall. and you go through and you mark out where every stud and every window and every door is going to be, because that's the plan for that wall. And then you split them apart, you stretch them out, and you put everything in between, and you start banging that thing together. When I was building track homes, we would go through with our as we're pulling the tape, and we would mark off where each stud was going to go with a pencil or a keel, which is a nice word for a crayon. And that's where all the studs would go. When I was with my dad, he'd pull that tape, he would mark, and he'd use a square. The stud is going to be between this line and this line, X. This line and this line, X. You... You, that wall was dialed in. There's no slopping where that stud was going to be. That was going to be a true wall. And that thing was going to stand the test of time. He overbuilt things. Because he didn't want to have any bounce in the floor. Everything that he did was fine craftsmanship. And he had a, he had a saying. I just love this. I love it now, but it was a frustration for me then. No bent nails. What does that mean? If you've ever tried to drive a nail with a hammer, you've probably bent some nails. There were to be no bent nails in that house. Because what happens is when you bend a nail, what you're likely inclined to do is just pound that thing down into the wood and stick another nail in there and keep on going. If my dad saw that, he'd tell you to get up there with your cat's paw and dig that nail out because there's going to be no bent nails in his structure. 
So what was it I did when I was five years old? I was sweeping bent nails up out with the sawdust because the integrity of the craftsman was in the work. That wall's going to get closed up. It may never be opened up again. It could be opened up 50 or 60 years from now. No one's going to see that bent nail, right? But the integrity of the craftsman is in the work. That's the hand I learned at. No bent nails. Lay out, lay out, lay out. You're always looking for, at your reference points. You're looking at the plan. You're building to the master design. When it all comes together, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to be inhabited by somebody for the purpose and intent that it was designed for. When you start a building, you have a piece of land that's been purchased by somebody. There's a property and it has a very unique contour to it. Surveyors go out there and they survey that property. They identify the three-dimensional aspect of that piece of land. They get out there, they mark it out, they measure it out so that a designer can then go and work with the owner to understand their intent and their purpose for that property and for that building. And they fashion a building that works with that property. But before any boards go up, before anybody's living in that place, they've got to go through there and clear that land, shape it to the design. They have to go and dig into the ground and do the groundwork to set that foundation. When they set that foundation, they need a reference point for where that building is going to grow from. Because it doesn't matter that you built the building the way it looked on the plans. If you didn't orient that thing and locate it properly on that piece of land, that's a fail. You're going to be fighting that thing the whole time, and it's not going to be the design it was intended to be. When you make that first mark, it is the most important mark for the purpose and design of that building coming to fruition. You do the groundwork, you lay your marks, you build your foundation, and as the walls go up, you start building the exterior walls first, the primary load-bearing for the structure. You build other load-bearing walls throughout the, the building. How, do you, how many of you know not every wall is load-bearing? Some of them are just partitions, right? But those that are load-bearing are the ones that you build, and then you build up on the next level, put the floor in, and then the walls go up above that. However many stories up you're going... And then you put the roof on. If it's a stick-built roof, you're, you're building those rafters. If it's a truss, you're swinging those trusses in, you're setting them in place, you get the, the roof on, and the whole thing starts to lock together. Once you've buttoned up the outside, then the interior walls start going up that are non-load-bearing. You start drilling holes for, for plumbing and electrical to come through. Once you pass all those inspections, then you end up putting in the insulation. Drywall goes up, trim goes up, paint goes on, then your floors go in. Don't put your floors in before you've painted. <laughs> and usually while this is happening, there's exterior work that's being done. 
as the landscape's getting ready. Because you had to move a lot of dirt away to put the, that foundation in. You're going to have to reorient where all that stuff's going to go. Where's the driveway going to go? Are they going to pour it? What, how's that going to work? All that work gets done, and it comes together in a home. But it all matters. What all, it all hinges upon what the design for that building was intended to be in that first mark, that first reference point being set for that foundation. Everything hinges on it. Everything lines up off of it. Plumb, level, and square. You should be able to, in a building, sight down walls and see them being straight and true. A doorway, vertically, should not be off from another doorway or a window. All those lines should start be able to line up because if everything has been referenced off of that primary reference point, everything comes in straight, true, and it's a flawless design. Psalm 127, verses 1 through 2 tells us this. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. It's all dependent on the Lord. Everything that we do depends on him. Everything that we build needs to be in alignment with him. And the second part of this passage is really important because it, it demonstrates that if we're doing all these things on our own strength, everything that we're doing, we're doing in vain. We're doing it to our design, we're doing it in vain. We're trying to carry out our purposes, not his purposes. But when we recognize that he's the one that's building the house, he's the one who has the plan, he's the one who has the design in mind, we get to flow in line with him and and get in alignment with him and do the work that he's doing. Proverbs 24, 3 through 4 says this, By wisdom a house is built, through understanding it is established, through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. There's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that talk about building, and creating, and forming, and shaping. Because it's what God does. He's creative. He has a master design in mind. When you design, if you're a designer of any sort, any sort and kind, you'll have heard the, the term, design with the end in mind. You start with the mission, what is it I'm trying to fulfill, and then you walk backwards into how that's supposed to take place in that particular location for that particular environment. You design with the end in mind. Otherwise, you design something that looks great, but it, wasn't, it doesn't work suitable to its purpose. It's a lemon. But when you design with the end in mind, you're able to overcome the purpose for which that design was created. 
And God says this, he says, by wisdom a house is built. Through knowledge, or through understanding it is established, through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. If you go further back in Proverbs, there's that same pattern of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge as God creates the earth. By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. God knows what it is that he's building. He knows what he wants to do. And so when he lays the foundations, it's so that everything else can come forward from that. He's the builder. He's the one that does it. We get to participate in it. I was out running in the forest out around the lake the other day, which I love to do. I love trail running. I love the, how fast your brain has to go to not fall over out there because there's toe grabbers all over the place. There's trees you can run into. There's things that might run out of the woods at you. You've got to be on your alert. But I find that running is a place where I get to meet with the Lord in a really intimate and personal way. He speaks to me in that. But if I'm not careful, I can get out on the trail and I can just go run that trail. You understand what I'm saying? I can get out there and go about my task of running that trail for the purpose of running that trail, for the excitement of that trail. Not that that's a bad thing. But I also know that I'm out there to meet with my father. So where's my heart need to be in that? I'm out there to meet with him. It's exciting. It's fun. But I have to pause every once in a while and breathe and refocus my attention off the trail and onto him. What is it you want to say to me, Lord? What is it that you're trying to tell me right now? What am I not noticing right now? Why, my brain is on all these other things right now. I'm here to refocus on you. As we go through our, our paths in life and as we're we're walking through them, we're running through them, we're going through the traces of everything that we have in life, we have to stop and pause and say, am I on track with you, Lord? Proverbs 16.9, In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You might be out on that trail and then realize, um, I can't go this way anymore. It's impassable. <laughs> that makes this part impossible. There's got to be another way around. It's important for us to be keeping our eyes focused on him, keeping our hearts focused on him, and remembering that he's the one who establishes our steps. And in Proverbs 19, we have this, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's, it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. A lot of Proverbs. Read Proverbs. If you do nothing else in the Bible, in your time in the Word, Read Proverbs. Proverbs is wisdom literature. I can't tell you how many times I'm going throughout my day and something from Proverbs will pop, will pop up in my mind. Because my dad told me when I was a kid, there's 31 books or chapters in Proverbs. There's 31 days in, a, in the largest month. You've got a, a chapter a day that you can be reading. And get that into you. It's so valuable because we want that wisdom to come up. We need wisdom. We need wisdom for the house. We need wisdom for our lives. We need understanding. 
Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevail. God's going to have his way. Is he going to have his way in you and through you? Because he's going to have his way. Are you participating with what he's doing? Are you on track with it? Are you submitted and surrendered to it? We're in a time right now in our Father's house. You're just new with us here this morning. We've been in a four-week period of prayer, fasting, and worship because we're coming to our final transition between Pastor Lanny and myself. We're taking this moment to pause as a people and say, Lord, we want to be doing what you're doing. We want to be building what you're building. We want our hearts to be focused on you, Lord. We want to stop and say, okay, what's going on? As as Pastor Dan shared earlier today, we've seen things shifting and changing. COVID took us out of our regular paces on things. It it slowed down or or stopped much, much of our ministry activity. God has put us in many other places on a reset, but we also here at our Father's house are in a pastoral transition. He's doing a rebooting here. Last week, if you're with us, I got to read to you God's intent for us as a people. So when we say design with the end in mind, last week you were hearing some of what is the end that he has in mind for us. He's called us as a place that's to be a city of refuge, a hospital, a mass unit, a place where the prophetic is grown and nurtured and matured and declares healings and declares proclamations. We're a place that's supposed to be a blessing to this region. We should be seeing signs, wonders, miracles in this place, but not just here. Like Pastor Dan was saying, it's to go out of here. And it has, and it will continue to do so. The expression of what this house is is changing, but the heart of what is here will not change. We have the same DNA that we've had for decades The Lord's going to continue to infuse that with other strands as he moves us into a new generation, as we step forward. Like I said, my dad did a lot of clean builds, but he also did a lot of remodels. If you've ever done any remodel work, whether it's DIY work at your house or somebody else's, you know that nothing's plumb level or square anymore. You've got to tear that thing back down to its basic level, usually down, shore up that foundation, or hopefully you found a, a solid foundation, rebuilding things on that, that solid surface once again. Things get reimagined. You know where the load-bearing walls are. You can knock out all the non-load-bearing walls all you want, but if you're going to move that load-bearing wall, you need to build some new structure in to carry that load. If you're going to repurpose it, be mindful of what you're doing. If you're going to add on to that thing, you have to be able to attach to the old thing. There's a lot of work that goes into that. It's messy. It's a lot of fun. It's frustrating because you're trying to build something new onto something that's old. We have a solid and sure foundation here at our Father's house. We're building off of something that the Lord has established over time. That groundwork that needed to be done to lay those foundations has been done by some of the people that are sitting in this room. 
getting down dirty, digging out the trenches for that foundation to be poured, building the walls, the the load-bearing things up, putting in the the non-load-bearing walls, the nice-to-haves. It's good be good for us to separate this space. It's not necessary, but it'd be good for us to do that. Doing all that stuff. And now God's taking us into a new season where he says, all right, remodel time. Time to bust open some walls. Hey, you're leaking over there. That part of the foundation, it's cracked. You might need to shore that up a bit. By the way, I want to build this wing on over here. When we look to the master designer for what he's doing, we, we get to go into, into alignment with his plan. It's not about our ideas about things that are going to happen. It's about what his ideas are for his plan. It's about his purpose and how he wants to bring that about. And we need wisdom for taking that, that intent into reality. For taking that intent and bringing forward a new design. When God is building his house, he's building it in people. This physical space that we have right here is a facility. It facilitates the ministry. Facilitates us being able to come together here. Facilitates our children being able to be downstairs and grown and nurtured and in the admonition of the Lord by those that serve them. It facilitates the other gatherings that we have, the classes that take place. It facilitates our ministry to the community through Riversong. But you are the church. You are the ministry. You are the house of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wide builder, a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it, uh, what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames." I love what Paul's saying there. I laid a foundation, but the foundation I laid is actually one that Christ already laid. I've just imprinted it here. My job is to draw on heaven for what Christ has already done and rebuild that here in time and space in this location. But I'm looking to him for his plan. I'm looking at his blueprints, and I'm looking at his foundation, and I'm helping to establish it here in this location. And now anybody who builds on top of that is going to use different materials. And the integrity of that structure is going to depend on the materials that were used and how well we followed the plan. And if I built something that burns up, then I didn't do it right. Everything that we do 
has to be done in him. It has to be done in love. It has to be done in care. It has to be done looking to him for his design. It can't just be our ideas of nice things and nice ways to do things. It can't be based upon our wisdom or our ideologies or any of that stuff. It all has to be based on him. John 15, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I just can't get away from it in my life. I keep getting drawn back into it. And we see here something that speaks towards building from a kingdom perspective because there's an organic growth in it. In the kingdom, when God's building, he's growing. You are, you are his house. You are his building. You are organic. You are growing. You are maturing. He says this, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As we build forward, we have to be abiding individually and corporately in the vine. We can't build anything apart from Christ and have it last. If we truly want things to last, we have to be looking to him. Always, 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 always. When Jesus asked his disciples who he was, and who is it that you say I am? Peter had the right answer, right? He said, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied to him, blessed are you. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell, Hades, will not overcome it. Jesus is saying there, the revelation that I am the Son of God is what I'm building my church on. Not you personally, Peter, but that revelation that was given to you is the foundation for how I am building my church. Not how you will build the church. See, Jesus is the one who's building his church. He's the master builder. He has the design in mind. He is going to get the design that he wants. We get to participate with him in it. And we are the building of his body that is taking place. I love what Peter says years later in 1 Peter. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. That's an important word. We're going to connect some thoughts here in a couple minutes. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. See, he is, he is a stone that the builders rejected. He's become the chief cornerstone. But you also are stones. You're being set into place. You're meant to be part of the structure that he is building, that he is a part of. He's the head. We are the body. We're being built and fashioned together. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. When I said earlier that when you set the foundation, the most important thing you can do is get that reference point set appropriately. These days, a lot of times we're, we're pouring foundations, right? We're, we're building forms and we're pouring in concrete or whatnot. But in the olden days, and it still as happens today in many places, you set that first stone. It's like a seed. The rest of the home or the house or whatever it is that you're building is going to grow off of that thing. It becomes the central reference point for every other aspect of the building. If it's set improperly, the rest of the building doesn't work. And as you're building, you constantly have to be keeping and looking back to that reference point. Your plumb lines are set off of this. Your walls, the, you know, how, how plumb are they? How level is everything? All goes back to that reference point. Did you set it at the right elevation? Is it deep enough in the ground? Is it high enough above the ground? Everything that takes place there comes off of that one reference point. That is known as the chief cornerstone. The entire building depends on it. And everything references back to that. And if you keep getting your references right, And you keep holding to true to that. You could be five or six layers deep into the the construction of that thing and everything will line up because it's all been referenced off of that cornerstone. We keep our eyes focused on him. Because you know what happens when you don't keep reference to that cornerstone? By sixteenths of an inch, by half a degree, and another half a degree, and another half a degree, and an eighth of an inch here or there, or quarter over here. Before you know it, you've found some corner of the house where nothing lines up anymore. Walls are in the wrong place, windows aren't there. I said when I was 15 years old, I built my first wall. I built that wall four times. It had one doorway in it. <laughs> Remember when I said you put those top plates together, you mark things out? First of all, I, built, I marked it out backwards. Then I marked it out upside down. And then it was inside out. And finally I got that thing right. 
learned that you could do all those things. <laughs> and my mom, my, I remember my father telling me, tear it apart, do it again. So do it right the first time. Lay out, lay out, lay out. Go back to your references. Go back to the blueprint. Where is that supposed to be? Did you get that sighted in the right place? Did the holes line up? Did you do all the, all the stuff you're supposed to do? Everything always goes back to that reference point. We want to be those builders who are faithful and true to the designer, to the design, and to build with the master craftsman. I think it's so great that Jesus was a builder. I mean, he actually fashioned things with his hands. He cut wood. He had to fit things together. I remember my dad saying to me, this is not a fun thing to hear <laughs> when you're learning the trade. What do you think Jesus would think about that wall that you just built? <laughs> what was it that he was teaching me? Our quality and the integrity of what we do matters. Jesus was human like we were. He actually had to figure this stuff out. He couldn't just say poof and make it happen. He chose to actually get in there and saw things and plane them down and, and work things together. Lift it with his, own, with his own strength. Try it out and realize, nope, it's not quite there yet. i got to work on it again. To know that he actually had to figure those things out and had to go through it translated to me in my own experience of, well, he knows this craft that I'm at right now. What does it, how would he think of the work that I'm doing? And what it does is it teaches you to have that integrity in your work, to go that extra mile, to shave off that extra half an inch, to, to just do the thing the right way. Because we want to be in line with the design that he is coming up with, that he is bringing to fruition. You've heard us saying for over a year now, don't turn to the right or to the left. Focus on him. Focus on him. Focus on him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't get drawn off to the side into anything that would be a distraction to you. Don't get caught up in things that he's not in. Because they draw you away from what he's designed and you end up building something that was never intended to be built. Whether with your words or your deeds, your actions, you're building along with him. What is it that you're building? Will stand the test of the fire? Are you in alignment with what he's doing? Are we in alignment with what he's doing? We're at this moment right here. Before our transition, we've seen him draw us down. I was just sharing this morning the, the wall between his glory and our, our experience here in time and space is growing thinner and thinner. I anticipate he's going to have an outpouring with us at some point here. It's got to come. We've humbled ourselves before him. We're continuing to humble ourselves before him. We're seeking his face. We're saying, Lord, come. We're your people. Look at the history you have that you've built here. Look at the future that you've promised to us, that you're going to build with us. We are here humbly submitted before you. Send your presence 
and have your way. We're in a space and in a time where he's going to burst forth with new growth with us. He's pruned us, and you prune so you have more fruit. You have greater fruit. It's a greater outpouring of fruit. It's better fruit. The production yield is much higher. It's coming. It's something that he has built a testimony in the natural that we've been growing crops on for (laughs) millennia. But it's a spiritual reality as well, and we're living through it right now as a people. So that's coming. Part of what we are called to do in this time is to get serious about keeping our eyes focused on him. When we're lining those walls, are they aligning with the cornerstone? Can we sight down it and see true? Are we building plumb level and square? Are we actually fashioning the rooms that he wants to have fashioned? Are we looking at what he wants to do? And are we building that? And this is important too. Is what we are growing out of that pure, righteous, and holy? Because in a time of growth, that's when those tender shoots are going to be the most susceptible to damage, to being pulled off to the side, to being warped in some way. I'm going to read some of Colossians 2 to you. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and on the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. It's easy for us to get drawn into things that sound pretty good, but they're not actually him. God is calling us to a time of intimacy with him. This season that we're in is important. He's taking notice that we are drawing close to him in this time. He's taking notice that we're looking for his presence, that we're growing in our experience with him and waiting on him and looking to him. I'm not going to move until you say step. I'm not going to go until you say go. I'm not going to build until you say now. Because... This is a time also where lots of other stuff's going to try to creep in and draw us off course and capture our attention so that we go run in that direction when he said, no, I wanted you to zig instead of zag. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you who were dead, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, And having disarmed the powers and authority, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. He has won a great victory. And as we build 
We have to be sure and certain that we are building in, in his plan, in his design, and drawing forth what he was intending from before the, the time began, before the world began, to set in this place, in this location, and in this people, here in the earth. He is faithful and true. But he's looking for our hearts to be faithful and true right back to him. In worship, we receive and reflect right back to him who he is. God, you're faithful, you're true. You have a plan and a purpose here. You have a destiny for a people that you're calling forth. And we have the opportunity in this time to align ourselves with you and ask for your wisdom, Lord, to come forth to build your house. So that when we set our hands to this, Lord, we're building to your plan, to your design, to your intent, for your purpose. That's where we are right now. What lies before us is a time of building. It's a time of growth. We've been in this suspension here. If you remember back in the end of 2019, one of the words that the Lord was giving us was that we were coming into a season where lots of green shoots were coming up out of the ground. There's going to be lots of new growth. New ministries are going to be coming forward. And we were ready to run into it and then stop, pause, hold on, go home, don't see each other, no hugs, handshakes, fist bumps, elbow bumps, all that stuff. And we're coming into a new season with a new perspective and a new understanding And through this time, he's been consistently saying, focus on me, focus on me, focus on me, draw close to me, focus on me. All that other stuff, yep, that thing you just picked up, got to put it back down again because you got to focus on me, focus on me, focus on me. And we're in a time now where he's saying, come be intimate and close to me, and I'm going to share with you what I'm going to do. We're going to build together. I want to put a call out to those that aren't in this room right now. They're watching online live or sometime in the future. Some of you are home because health reasons. Lots of reasons that we've been Most of us in over this past year as we've been making decisions about how we're going to come in to interact with one another. Please hear me. You have the authority and the accountability and the responsibility to make a wise decision there about when you start to come back into physical space with other people. Some of you are watching online. You can't be here because you're on the other side of the planet. But there are those who are watching right now because it's convenient to not come. It's convenient not to come and be together. It's time to come back into the house. It's time to come back into the presence of the Lord together. Because what we share in a space physically together is better than what you can experience online. It's time 
to step back in. It's time to grow into relationships with each other. It's time for us to build together once again. If you're in a place where you're not limited because of physical health or location reasons, it's time to come back into the house. Because we as a people need to be together and we need to be about his work together. For those of us that are ready for hugs, it's been a warm balm. We need to be a people who are together in unity. Unity of the spirit. Experiencing peace. Being in and around one another's lives again. Hearing from one another, sitting with one another, speaking with one another, praying with one another, worshiping with one another, encouraging one another, serving with one another. Inside these walls and outside these walls. Because as we do those things, He is going to reveal to us what it is that He is building. He is going to pour out his spirit and speak to us about what the next step is, about what the next season is. As we gather together, his presence is going to come and do things that we couldn't ask for or imagine. He'll solve problems that we didn't even know were there. It's important for us to be together. So if you're staying out of the house right now for any reason other than a health reason, a location reason, come into the house. It's time. It's time to be here. We can't rest on our laurels from the last season. Christianity is meant to be lived together. There's something that happens the way God fashioned us and he made us. There's something that happens when we come together. So much so that it only takes two of us. It only takes two of us. And his presence is there in the midst of us. It only takes two. See, we're a gift to you and you're a gift to us. We are diminished when you're not here and you are diminished by not being here. It's time to come into the house. It's time to prepare ourselves to build. It's time for us to say, okay, Lord, what's your blueprint? What's your plan? Cornerstone, where are you? Where am I in reference to you? How do I need to move to align myself with what you're doing? There are people in this house that God will use to build as pillars in the house. He will build pillars in the house. You will be those that he, through time and experience, will work his strength into you to bear the load of the position he places you in. Not for your benefit, but for the benefit of the house. There are people who are hearing this right now who don't have a place yet. 
but God has a place for you. There are people who are hearing this right now who don't yet know the ministry that he has called them to. But he has called you to it. And he's going to use you to draw from heaven into time and space. I love that song that we sang earlier today, Abba. You're more real than the ground I'm standing on. You're more real than the breath in my lungs. Man, that just hit me today. What we have here is the lesser reality. His reality is greater, and he's looking for those that would look to heaven and say, Kingdom, come here on earth as it is in heaven. What we see there, we want to draw it in here. And for it to take place in reality, in this reality here, that the greater reality of heaven would be superimposed here into this reality. That heaven's strategies would be used here. That we keep looking up and saying, Father, give us today our daily bread. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we would draw it into time and space. There are people here that don't yet know what they're going to be walking in 10 years from now. I can't wait to see what that is. I can't wait to see what he's going to build. I can't wait to see how he builds it. But everything I keep hearing through the prophetic words that are coming from our people and the things he's speaking to me is raising my expectancy for what he's going to do. Raising my expectancy for how he's going to pour out. Raising my expectancy for what the impact is going to be on this community, on this region, and every place that he sends us to. Because as we shared last week, he brings people in here to heal them, to strengthen them, to raise them up and mature them, and to send them on deployment to another place in the earth. He's been doing it for decades. He's going to keep doing it. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. Would you stand? Hallelujah. At the end of the service, if you need prayer for healing, I want to invite you to the front. I'm going to have some of our our prayer ministers come up with us. Those that have been seasoned in prayer up here at the altar, I'd like you to come up and just be ready for those who, who may have need of prayer for a physical healing. Last week, we saw several people get healed in their backs. We saw uh, people just getting touched by the presence of the Lord. It was just, it was powerful. It was wonderful. As his response to us, speaking testimony of what he was doing, of his design for us to be a hospital. Oh, Lord, we just thank you for your presence. We want to take the opportunity today to pray for you if you need prayer for healing. Right now, where we just pray over this, your people. Hallelujah. 
Jesus, you are the master builder. You're the master designer. Lord, we ask right now that that in this time you begin to speak to us, Lord, your wisdom for this season. Your wisdom for how you're going to build this house. Lord, that you would give us understanding for how to translate that into physical reality. We ask that you begin to pour out your spirit among us. That you would draw us together. You would unify us as your people to be those that would draw on heaven. For heavenly realities to be brought forth into the earth. That we would be humbled, Lord, and submitted and surrendered to you. That we would always be looking back and checking towards our chief cornerstone. You, Jesus, our Messiah, our Lord, our Savior, our King, our craftsman. That we would be aligned with you. Lord, you've called us according to your purposes. We ask that we would begin to fulfill, Lord, what you have for us in this season. That our hearts would be supple in your hands, Lord. That you would easily be able to shift and mold us. You would easily be able to guide us with your eye. Lord, that we as your people would be about a singular purpose together. That through our focus on you, Lord, and through the presence of your Holy Spirit, you would bring forth your plan, your purpose, your calling, and your destiny for us as a people. Lord, I ask that you would visit us in quiet moments. I ask that your presence would fall upon us in times we don't expect it. I ask, Lord, that you would visit us in our, in our dreams. I ask that as we wake up, you would put a song on our lips. I ask, Lord, that you begin to speak to us prophetically about what it is that you've called us to individually. Lord, that you would begin to speak to us prophetically about what you've what you're going to do here corporately, Lord. I ask that as we align ourselves, Lord, with you, our cornerstone, we would see those bricks begin to fall into place, Lord. Things that have been out of alignment and out of adjustment would fall back into alignment, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would return strength to parts of this house that have been unattended, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would give us your understanding of what happens next, and that as we build, Lord, we would see those buildings come into fruition, Lord. We would see those ministries come to pass. We would see people begin to come into them and be healed, Lord. Their lives transformed for them to be grazed up and for them to be matured, Lord Jesus, for them to be sent, Lord, to where you have called them to. I thank you for this house. It is our Father's house. It is our Father's house. Lord, have your way in us. Have your way in us, Lord. In any way we need to be humbled, Lord, just humble us. 
Lord, where we need to bend our knees, let us bend our knees to you. Where we need to get on our face before you, Lord, let us get on our face before you, Lord. Lord Jesus, that you be exalted, that you be lifted high, that you be magnified, that you be glorified in everything that we do. Let it be in honor of you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We say now, come Holy Spirit. Come rest on us as your people. Come Holy Spirit. As you have done so many times, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Teach us your ways. Teach us your ways, Lord. Teach us to love as you love, Lord. Lord, that we would be known by our love. Hallelujah. To the glory of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, I'd just invite you to come up to the altar. If you want to do time with the Lord at the altar, you can come up here and do that too. We're going to be praying for people here to my left. If you want to do time at the altar, just come over here to my right. Come Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, we're having pursuit night. If you haven't been coming to those, you really need to make that a priority. (laughs) It's a good time. We get in the presence of the Lord together. It's a plowing time. It doesn't only do work in you, it does work in us as a people. God bless you. Hug somebody's neck on the way out of here. We'll see you soon. God bless you.